Hello, I'm Marina Johnson, and this is Table Work, a TAPS podcast series where we interview the artists and theater makers behind our productions on what it takes to get their productions from the page to the stage. This episode features Michael Rao, Assistant Professor of Directing and Theater Making at Stanford. Join us as he talks about his upcoming piece, Mrs. Warren, which is part of the Developmental Stage series. Mrs. Warren opens October 19th in Piggott Theater. Hi, Michael. As always, great to be in conversation with you. Great to be in conversation with you, Marina. I'm so excited for Mrs. Warren. Um, But the first question I always think of as a director and as a person who's going to see this play is why this play now? So over the summer, I was reading a bunch of different plays and I kind of just off the shelf picked up Mrs. Warren and um, I... I started reading the first two scenes and I thought, oh, this is uh, funny and cute. And then um, the first scene between Mrs. Warren and Vivian, I like hit that moment. Um, And all of a sudden it was a conversation between a mother and a daughter about um, the things that uh, the mother has done for her daughter in order to give her a better life and the certain sets of sacrifices that she's made as well as the questions about how much the daughter is obligated to her mother for those sacrifices. And that question of like, what, what is, what do we want our parents to do for us versus then what do we owe our parents um, felt incredibly uh a, a question that is so of this time and of this moment and something that we're both, I think, as a culture struggling with and at the same time is not a conversation that is at the forefront of our minds, but sort of like a low base note to many of the issues that we're all dealing with these days, it kind of exists. There's always that sort of like, what you know, about whatever particular issue that we're dealing with. And many of these kind of like cultural fights that we're having has to do with that generational divide. And I thought, aha, this, this little scene, this little uh, moment, that's the heart of the play for me. And that became the reason, like, I couldn't get that thought out of my head. And I was like, oh no, I think I actually have to direct this play. Like I, I have to go back to this thing. Um, And I kept trying to read other plays and hoping like, oh, maybe it'll be this thing. And then I was like, nope, all right, I got to do George Bernard Shaw and I have to do this play from 1895 um, because that's the thing that uh, that sort of moment and question became uh, really the thing that animated the whole process for me. I love that. And thanks for taking us through that journey. I think so many things that I get obsessed with as a director, I'm like, well, this has to come out somewhere. And if yeah. we're having the question as we read a play text, then other people can really engage in that question. Um, so I appreciate you sharing sort of what your way in was. And I assume that's something you're continuing to explore in the rehearsal room with the actors. Um, yeah. Yeah. As far as Shaw goes, um, so we're dealing with George Bernard Shaw. And I know that this play is cut from a longer play that admittedly, I don't think I've read since undergrad. Um, But I would love for you to talk if you want a little bit more about the longer play, but I also know this is a shorter version, right? You made some cuts. 
Uh, and I would love to know about that process as well. Well, I, I think that, I mean, this is a great follow-up question to the first question you asked me. I became obsessed with that scene between Mrs. Warren and Vivi. And all of a sudden, uh, the rest of the play, like all of the other subplots became extraneous. And I kept feeling like, oh, those other parts of this play where, you know, two people find out that they're siblings and they never knew that became extraneous to me. And like the, these conversations about art in like the first half of the play that became extraneous. And so the cuts really were, uh, were a way for me to focus on the heart of the play as I saw it, which is the relationship between this mother and daughter. Um, and that meant sort of, I mean, it, it is, uh, it is not just a haircut. This is like uh, literally half of the play is gone. Um, like I, I did a page count of the full unedited script and then a page count of my cut script and it is half. Um, so, so, and in doing that, I, it kind of allows, I hope we'll see the audience to focus on that sort of relationship and that sort of like um, central tension that I see in the play. I, I hope it won't feel like too short or that you won't get that sense of like all of the, the different sprawling arguments that Shaw makes in his original, but instead I'm just kind of using, I'm kind of picking out two of these characters and focusing more on them. Kind of like the the thing that I've been telling people, it's as if I took Hamlet and was just like, I'm really just interested in like the Hamlet, Laertes, and Ophelia stuff, and we're just going to cut out all the stuff about the kings, you know, and the queen. And so it's a very, it, it's a different play. It's It says a different thing than the original, but it's also a way to kind of... Um, uh, crop and zoom in on one aspect of it. Like if you can kind of imagine you have a whole beautiful painting in front of you and I'm just saying, let's just crop out this little section. And then when you do that, it opens up to a larger, like you start to notice details that you didn't see before. Oh, that's such great imagery. And I mean, I think people can really relate to that. I think cutting a play can sound like, oh, well, what are we losing? But it's actually a zoom in on what's already there and really magnifying that to examine this question and to examine this relationship. That's really yeah. exciting. Thanks. Yeah. Well, and as people, you and I both work on new plays and working on a new play is very different because it's really honoring what's on the page and bringing things to the surface in different ways. There's something really exciting and sort of I don't know, like like luxurious about looking at an older text that you want to to play with in a different way because it has other iterations that have existed and that people are familiar with. And so now you get to make people familiar with this particular version that will be done here and not someplace else. So creating a new play from this, it's, it's emerging. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think also for folks who are like Shaw fanatics, um, I think it's important to also let you know that there are also some like language things that I change. So if you come expecting people in British accents and in period specific clothes, in addition to, you know, um, giving this play some serious cuts, we've also tried to um, 
kind of bring it into an American context, to bring it into a contemporary context. Um, and in that way, let the, the themes, the ideas that um, George Bernard Shaw was dealing with in 1895 kind of also show how they still resonate um, in our society today. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, you can say, wow, this is an incredible thing, like, oh, humanity, there are some things that are still constant. And then you could also say, like, oh, it's kind of depressing that we haven't achieved that much progress in terms of how we think about women and labor and the obligations that we that a child owes, owes the parent. Um, we haven't become particularly progressive since 1895. And it was a depressing, it was a simple, simple, like easy translation to make versus as I think you and I both know, when I worked on, when we worked on Julius Caesar together, there was a lot of stuff that we had to kind of like, okay, how would this work? How, how can we fudge this into a contemporary time period? Or what would this mean? This felt like a much more of like a one-to-one ratio. Wow. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, Okay, that's good to know. And it's good for Shaw fans to know sort of what they're getting into when they're coming and hopefully creating a new generation of Shaw fans um, who might get into this, his work in this way. Um, But as you were mentioning, so we've talked before about the play and I remember you (laughs) saying there are six chairs. I was like, yes, amazing. Who is involved with these chairs? We have these chairs. (laughs) What, who are the students who are involved, the designers, who's working on this piece with you? So, uh, yes, we have an amazing team of uh, students that we're working with. Um, so uh, Jacob Venegas is our technical director and sort of scenic design consultant. Um, Espen Garner is our lighting designer. Um, Catherine Sarka is our costume designer. Um, Kate Celio is our stage manager. And then we have two assistant directors, Caroline Sasso and Bridget Phillips, who are kind of helping me do anything and everything um, on this show. So, so uh, it's all TAPS majors or TAPS affiliated folks who are um, making this piece. And because it's such a short process, it's literally less than three weeks of rehearsal. Um, we're we're kind of putting it all together real fast, and I think that's also like a a, a really exciting and fun way to work. Um, normally, when I do shows at Stanford, we have a ten week process that um, really is luxurious and allows tons of time to do really deep text analysis, to build incredibly elaborate costumes and sets, and to be inc- insanely intentional about all of the work that we're going to do. Um, and this is much more of like, let's just make a series of gestures. What kind of world are we in and how can we convey that in the simplest and quickest and easy way? Um, and I don't know, there's also part of me that uh, I've been advising the grad rep productions for almost five years now. And this is the same scale and level of production that the graduate students have. And I thought, you know what, at least once um, I should put myself through that process so I understand 
what it's like and how to kind of like manage these different elements of it. Very cool. And I love, I mean, because we did work on Julius Caesar and that was such a time commitment for the, for everyone involved. Um, but especially when you're looking at a student undergrad schedule, that this three-week process really allows for a different kind of participation um, and not a lesser experience for sure, but a different experience. And I love that that's something that you're able to to provide and to really get to experience together. Um, I'm yeah. sure that's a really cool thing. Well, and I think that there's also something about uh, not just a different time scale and, and level with these kinds of shows, but um, Stanford University is a major research university. And um, oftentimes the kinds of work that you see uh, that is included in our season is incredibly polished, very finely done, finished work. But as a research institution, I think that part of our season should be devoted to something that is in process, that is being actively researched, where maybe we don't have all of the answers. Um, and that's kind of the goal of this developmental stage that uh, this show in the fall, uh, our other show that'll happen in the spring and the grad rep pieces, these are uh, performances that are made by uh, faculty members, scholars, and students who are trying to figure something out. Maybe they don't have all of the answers yet. They're experimenting with something. Um, and being a part of that, being able to share those experiments with an audience, that's the real goal for me with these, with this project. Um, you know, we're, we're still making cuts to the script. Like last night, I, I cut a chunk of the play and we open in less than a week. Um, the, there's, there's a whole lot of staging and work that's going to happen in the next week during tech that I think will also kind of change things. So um, this is an opportunity for us to invite in audiences to see work that is um, uh, not like completely unfinished, but also not fully baked either, you know, um, or to see something that is an experiment. Um, and it's rare to see work like that. Usually, unless you're deep in the new play development world, the kinds of theater that you are exposed to if you're just an audience member is highly polished, finished work that's been through a thousand and one workshops. And what I love about what we're doing with this is inviting audiences into that process to see work that is still being uh, worked on and discovered and workshopped. I love that. And our department does, we, we talk about and we do performance as research, but so often that work is invisibilized. And um, so, yeah, it's it's great to know that that's what this is and to let people in on that process. Mm -hmm. um, well, so you, I mean, you've already touched on my next question, but we've seen you direct so many different kinds of plays at Stanford. Um, and so I'm curious, like what specifically about this play is exciting and different as a director. So we've heard you talk about the questions you're investigating, this performance as research um, aspect as well. What are other things that feel sort of exciting or different for you here? So, it, you know, if you look at everything that I've directed at Stanford, um, it has been mostly plays that exist in the theatrical canon, and you can problematize that however you want. But, you know, it's been... Uh, Julius Caesar, it's been Anton Chekhov's The Seagull, um, now it's Mrs. Warren, and then a couple sort of like 
other little small things. Um, or like even everybody is an adaptation of, of an extremely old medieval play, Everyman. Um, and, you know, I kind of see my part of my job is to help students connect with texts that they might not have read or not, might not have experienced or aren't necessarily like the latest, flashiest contemporary plays because there's tons of that stuff and they'll have lots of those experiences after they leave. But instead to kind of show them, here are some some old dusty things that maybe you might be first inclined to write off, um, but to in the process of working on them to discover that incredible sense of uh, beauty and power that is hidden within these texts to and that oftentimes these texts still have bearing on the issues that we're all dealing with today um and and to give the those students that experience so in in one way this project is a continuation of that goal it's to say all right i've done medieval i've done shakespeare i've done chekhov Let's pick something from 1895, which is a slightly new time period. I mean, I guess Siegel and Chekhov are, are a little close here. Theater historians are going to get mad at me about that. But they're far enough apart, um, geographically maybe, uh, that uh, that it's still a different kind of genre. And, and so to kind of uh, help students experience these texts, which are which really always come alive in performance and making a performance out of them versus just reading them that's that's the goal i think what's different about this project is i'm giving myself the uh challenge to say you're not going to be able to finish this thing you're going to see something that's in process you're going to see something that is still being explored that's um i don't know all the answers to you know versus when i directed the seagull i had directed that was the fifth time I've directed that play. And so there are so many, I kind of walked in knowing, all right, we can do this here. This thing should happen here. We're going to go over here versus this play. I'm truly still discovering um, and kind of sharing that those senses of discoveries with the cast and with the audience. Amazing. Well, you've already answered for us in many different ways why people should come see this piece. Um, and I think that as an audience member, I now want to come and discover with you um, and to get to be part of this discovery process. That is something I don't feel like I always get to do as an audience member. Um, so that feels really like why I am personally going to be in the seats. Why might someone else come? I think... Um... I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons. At its core, it's just a darn good story, you know? Um, I think one of the things that I've learned to do as a director is when I'm starting to direct a show, I will talk to friends, family members, whoever, about what I'm directing, and I'll just try to tell them the story. Um, and halfway through, usually, I'll be able to tell, like, oh, man, Michael, you are not telling the story well. They are bored. This play isn't going to work, you know, in that way. But every time I've told people the story of this show, everyone is kind of like, wait, really? And and then what? And then what? You know, they, they get excited about it. There's something about the way that 
Shaw constructed these sets of characters, these sets of situations that is genuinely thrilling and opens up these bigger questions that I think we've all had and kind of, uh, you know, brings it into three-dimensional space, represents it in a way that all of a sudden you're like, oh, I understand these arguments. And I understand these arguments not from just a, like, you know, here's my policy paper about um, the ways in which this older generation, you know, is obligated to the younger generation. And it also, it's represented in a way that it doesn't turn into like boomers versus Gen Z. Um, it, it, it instead shows two very complicated, real human beings that are grappling with this relationship. And neither of them has the right answer and neither of them knows what is the best answer. And they both care deeply about each other. Um, and in physicalizing that, the, it, it offers a very complex portrait of something that is, especially in popular culture today, oftentimes simplified down to memes and slogans and that kind of stuff. That's beautiful. I hope that that, I think, I mean, I am now even more enticed to come. I'm sure whoever is listening will feel the same. Um, so we're excited to check out Mrs. Warren um, in Pigot Theater. Yes. Yes. Excellent. In Pigot Theater next week, more details are posted with this podcast that people who are listening um, can check out. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, Marina. Always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs>